0: Hey, welcome to today's episode of the High Podcast. I'm your host Daniel Martinez. Today we have uh, my co-host Anthony Gaona and special guest Nick Huber. From where are you from, Nick? I didn't even ask. I li- you. I, I'm from
1: Southern Indiana. I live in Athens, Georgia. So
0: Athens, Georgia. I used to live in uh, Locust Grove, which is in Henry County.
1: Yep, it's a I like it in the South. Nice people, warm weather.
0: So I, what's funny is is that I actually grew up in Hammond, which is by Chicago. And in Indiana, my wife calls it the armpit of the United States. <laughs> the, 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 sun the sun doesn't shine there.
1: Ah, it's not too bad. I was in the very southern part of Indiana, but yeah, northern Indiana has some the same weather as Chicago, which can get pretty rough.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 always it rough, but um, the sun doesn't shine in the Midwest. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's always uh, my wife always says a lot. So you're from Ath- you're from Indiana and live in Athens now. Do you invest in Georgia? Or are you all over the place? Yeah, we have 11, 11
1: storage properties here in, in Georgia, one in Florida, one in North Carolina, several in Virginia, and then we kind of work our way up through Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, we're all, we're all over the place.
2: So
0: you have a really big Twitter following and some people would consider you a troll. <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you reply to that? do you how, so-
1: how does that make you feel i don't know i don't know
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i think i i like to i have a weird sense of humor i like to draw attention to just unique little nuances and the fact you know most of my tweets make people mad because a little part of them is true but overall they're pretty outrageous so I, I also i also have a lot of opinions that are kind of weakly held i, I they're strong opinions but i'm not sure on them And the, and the best way to kind of get a a consensus and and hear from a lot of smart people is to tweet it out as fact and and then see how mad people get and see what arguments people make, and you can learn you can learn that way. They can help you make some adjustments. That's right.
0: <laughs> I think we do a little bit of that, that of ourselves, don't we, Daniel? <laughs> it, 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 uh, I think you um, you build an audience off of controversy, and people people don't like people don't like smooth people. they like people with, with rough edges. so I think it's a it's a good building technique.
1: Yeah, very few people actually do the work to form their own opinions. So it's not easy sometimes to be controversial. And I'm not controversial from a political standpoint, or where I'll just argue one side of something where the argument has been beaten to death. I'll kind of bring up, you know, things about parenting and entrepreneurship that people don't, people don't generally see. And I, I guess the biggest, the biggest one is the the Filipino and Latin American labor that I hire in my, in my, in my, in my company, and, and what people don't, understand and what very few people who don't study economics know is that 493 of the 500 fortune 500 companies have employees in these kind of wage arbitrage uh, low cost of living countries and but yet people get mad at small businesses for doing the same and and send me hateful information on their iPhones that were assembled in Bangladesh for three dollars an hour so it's (laughs) it's it's all kind of funny
0: well, I, I, I like I like. i I'm, I'm I really like this conversation. We'll dig into real estate in a second, but I like this conversation because I think it's hilarious. Because everybody supports all these like big Fortune 500 businesses and they love them because they are consumers of that product and they, they have nothing bad to say about it. But they don't like looking behind the curtain because it doesn't agree like, with their opinion states. So, 100 percent, their iPhone, their their. Uh, I was laughing because I called Domino's and somebody from the Philippines answered my Domino's phone calls making my order. I'm like, come on, like. And this is, this, is, this is where it's heading, like you either adapt to survive. And if, if Fortune 500 company is doing this, like why not copy it? You don't have to reinvent the wheel.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, it's 100% the truth. I mean, as a small business competing locally or even with an agency or a firm that competes nationally, there's, there's a, a really great way to get a competitive advantage over other small businesses because very few American companies with less than two or 300 employees have any workers overseas.
2: had his first 100000 dollars month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings and of course to get our one dollar course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io.
1: But uh, but if you can do that when your employee when your company's 10-15 people. It can it can give you a pretty serious competitive advantage.
3: You know, I have a a perspective on this right now that's a very fresh perspective. I just came back from uh, Cancun, and man, like our shuttle driver of a brand new shuttle, really big company, dude said he makes ten dollars a day, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, by us, like the tips that we give them could be equivalent to their full day's pay, right? And then there's lots of people there that are just hustling, man. I mean, they're selling like anything, like candy, chips, like like just literally anything. Be able to make a living wage so by us giving them a job like just because it's not comparable to what you see in america you know then hey it's still giving somebody that opportunity that they would have never had like down there there mean literally people working for free all day long just trying to make tips so i think by us giving them a consistent wage and you know their cost of living is a lot lower so i think that the argument is is probably nothing too much more than just virtue signaling man because those people need that money just as bad as anybody else I think
1: it's the sad part is that a lot of Americans act like they are entitled to certain things just because they're American and that they, as human beings, are a pedestal above folks in the Philippines or in Latin America. 100%. That's just, it's just not true. A, A human life is a human life. And I think a really interesting thing happened. It was over a year ago now because I've had these folks on my team for a really long time. But after a meeting, one of my Filipino employees said, Nick, hold on. You know, get on, stay on after this meeting. I want to talk to you about something. And, the first thing I think as a business owner is, oh my gosh, this employee is not happy. They're going to ask for more money. They're going to ask for more vacation or whatever it might be because that's what I was kind of, that's what I'm used to with a lot of my Americans. But after the meeting, he's like, Nick, I just want you to know that like my sister had, we, we, me and my sister share a home and and we take care of our mother because our mother has a disability. She can't work. And so we take care of her. And I just want you to know that since I got this job, before you, I was working for $2.20 an hour, but I had to commute in a crowded bus for two hours each way. So I really couldn't, you know, work, make that much money. And I was, and I was spending a lot of my time commuting. But after I got this job, is my sister no longer had to be a sex worker to pay for my, to, to help support my mom. Damn.
0: Man.
1: And, and I, it was just like, holy shit. People don't understand this stuff.
0: 100%. That's crazy. I, I, I think about that too, because I've had, I've had uh, Filipino workers for over two years now. And I went to interview two, and I'm like, let me just hire them both. Let me just. <laughs> I, <hire>
1: them. <laughs> I'm a I'm a partner. I'm a partner in a company called Support Shepherd. For that very reason, I I use Shepherd to kind of be the agency that goes and finds these people. Like they help me build the job description. They help me rank the English. They vet vet the candidate. And then they brought me three candidates for my very first interview. And I interviewed them all back to back. You know, 20 minutes with one, 20 minutes with another, 20 minutes with with another. And at the end, I was like. I want all three. I mean, are you kidding me? I can I can get this level of, of talent for four seventy five an hour, four dollars and seventy five cents an hour, nine hundred dollars a month. It, it it blew my mind. I hired all three of them, and um, I, I guess the rest is history because it's it's fifty plus folks now working with me from over there across my companies.
0: That's amazing. Uh, I I think a lot of people underestimate the the value of people that that actually come from over there, and I think they they earn they deserve a lot more credit they really Mm do i've got have you
1: all have you all hired anybody in latin america yet and then Colombia or any of those any like
0: i've I've, I've had really good experiences with the the philippines and i haven't hired anywhere else So the uh, philippines
1: is the philippines is super strong when it comes to english repeatable tasks data entry like they prep our spreadsheets for underwriting mm -hmm. but when it comes to like some decision making roles and highly educated folks in latin america and Colombia, for twelve to fifteen hundred dollars a month you can get engineers that have graduated from the top university in colombia that are excel wizards i mean in our in our underwriting department we have two folks in colombia that are running you know running back office uh, underwriting english is not as strong so if you if it's client facing philippines is better sometimes but obviously there's different skill sets in both areas but we've we've had a we've had a a ton of success in colombia too
0: no, they're, they're really, they're really strong candidates. And I, I, like all my, all my, all my team is all, they all graduated. They all have a degree and I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> they're, they're really, they're really good people too. And I think mm-hmm. I've gotten like personal flack and I'm sure you get it. I'm sure you get it all over Twitter, but like, I've got a personal flack from my family. Like one of, one of my, one of my parents was like, why are you hire Why aren't you hiring Americans? And I'm like, you don't get it. <laughs>
1: well we are we are also hiring americans but i mean it's pretty clear if you do business in a lot of these spaces that we do business in there's just not enough americans there's not enough people to do this work i mean you look around at everything that needs done the quality of life that we have with all of our software the way data moves our our real estate i mean if anything can be done in a back office from a computer it's a blessing that it can be done that other countries can help us get all this done to make our quality of life so good in my opinion
0: so uh, I want to ask you this how you have 50 employees how do you utilize them cuz I know you said you have some underwriting what's the what's the uses around all your in your businesses or businesses
1: Yeah so at our at our cost segregation firm it's engineering it's sales um, a lot of Latin America um in our in our real estate company 45 employees there 10 are Americans the other 35 are um either Philippines or Latin America but but yeah it's uh it's customer service 24 seven customer service at my storage facility it's collections it's um property improvements closing procedures you know basically every division has some some folks um, abroad in it
0: yeah they're they're really great because i I think even that point like you can get personal assistance maybe like your admin whoever that that major person and then they can help out virtually with appointment setting and getting tasks done and maybe answering emails and customer service because like there's so much like behind the the desk tasks that can can be done virtually that they're just they're they're well suited for those positions.
1: I have a friend who runs a uh, commercial real estate appraisal company, and he actually paired he paired a Filipino with every one of his appraisers, wow. so that while the appraisers while the appraisers are out, they're kind of communicating throughout the day all day. But the Filipino is keeping up with the emails. They're keeping they're helping make the reports. They're helping them compile data, so that it used to be. They could appraise, you know, three properties. Do do two or three site visits in the morning, and then they go back home and spend the rest of that day and the full next day in the office doing admin work. Yeah. Now, now his appraisers teaming them up with admins can do double the amount of work. It's it's a uh, it, it, the use cases are pretty awesome. And and my other friend runs a, a, a general contracting company. He builds out build, builds out quick service restaurants and gyms inside of uh, strip malls, and also builds out offices. And his estimators he's moving his estimators overseas he's also given his construction managers his pms every p.m kind of gets a, a teammate he, he calls him a like a it's not really a virtual assistant it's kind of like a office admin staff personally for that p.m so they're running around all day they're driving they're taking meetings they just don't have time to be responsive by email so just the back end admin half just makes it amplifies what an american can do even if they're on the ground in a in a pretty sweaty business
3: man I would really like to take a look at at your infrastructure and, and how things are run. Cause I'm just trying to imagine like, where would we put 50 people? But I guess you have to start to have the same repetitive tasks over and over at scale. Then of course you're gonna need to have those people in place. I feel like we train a good employee and then now they're in a position to bring on their own assistant, right. To help them do some of the, the, menial stuff and then it would continue to stack on top of itself is the only thing i could think of i guess we don't want to get too lost there i guess moving into real estate we can talk a little bit about the assets you go after sounds like you have a lot of different states you're operating in do you stick to that specific type of asset and then i'm very curious about how you run your marketing for those assets if you're at liberty to share that stuff because i'm just a marketing nerd
1: (laughs) yeah so when when we buy a, a building in a in a geographic region i mean everybody finds a a, a local business in one of two ways they drive by it or they find it on google so we're we're running local ads we're doing local seo a lot of link building campaigns to our individual landing pages when it comes to search engine optimization and ranking on google and then a lot of google ad spend i mean we're we're optimizing we have a performance marketing company called ad rhino ad rhino.com i'm a I'm a partner founder in that business. I found, I basically found the best performance marketer that I could and, and brought him in house to, to kind of work and amplify with all my businesses. But the, um, the asset class is the same. It's, it's self-storage. We're sticking with self-storage. We've raised about $40 million. We bought about hundred million dollars worth of self-storage. It's all over the place. So geographically we're incredibly diverse, but when it comes to asset classes, we focus on self-storage and it's class B, class C. Um, I call them row buildings. You see the self-storage facilities that are just one big building that are Class A. Mm-hmm. That's not what we do. We do the drive-up, uh, drive-up buildings where you can see your door, your garage door from the outside.
0: Okay. One thing, I, man, I, I like uh, <laughs> I like how you you hired you have businesses around your niches, and then the one thing I love is you're using SEO and uh, AdWords. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of businesses aren't utilizing that, especially in the commercial space. The commercial space is very, very, and everybody listening it's very, very underutilized for SEO. And we're yeah. we, we're we're a social media agency, so we we're diving into SEO and creating all this stuff around like industrial and stuff, just because we, we like industrial and land yep. and we do a lot of different stuff like that. So we're, yeah, we're, the
1: opportunities we're, the opportunities with SEO are phenomenal with uh, AI and pro- programmatic SEO and and just be, the ability to create content at scale, but I think the we're finding that when you're competing locally with with five or six other self storage facilities in your town or whether it's self storage or HVAC or whatever kind of local business it is if you get your keywords right and you get your landing page right it's just link building like you get you get 10 solid backlinks and you're going to you're going to you're going to dominate I mean it's not as it's not as tough to dominate SEO as a SaaS company that's trying to compete nationally you know we we kind of use geography as the moat and it's nice to compete in a small town with the players in that town.
0: Uh, one thing I really want to I really want to mention because I love this story. You tweeted out it was like maybe a week ago, two weeks ago about how you were writing chalk on footpaths. Can you talk a little bit about that story? Because I don't want to ruin it and jump a little bit. Because I I lost, saw that tweet and I'm like, man, this is such a dope strategy, and I, I love that that you're early on. So I don't want to ruin it. Go ahead and tell your story. Uh, was, yeah,
1: I've I've always thought that the stuff that doesn't scale, whether it be entrepreneurship, business, sales, or marketing, the stuff that doesn't scale, if you do it well, can be a massive growth hack early on. A lot of entrepreneurs, they watch Shark Tank, they think about building the next world-changing thing, they gotta gotta market at scale. like Build out a full-on corporate marketing plan to get the idea out for a business. I ran a local company, and my company did pickup and delivery for college students. I knew where the college students lived. I knew where they walked every day. I knew who the exact target customer was for my student storage company. I knew that 60% of our customers were female. I knew that 60% of our customers were also freshmen. Wow. So in Ithaca, New York, there's actually a dorm that's only freshmen women. (laughs) Oh, nice. I knew, I knew that that dorm that one spot, that that one geographic point, is where my customers lived. They lived there. It's not like they just shopped there, drove by sometimes. So I was in a business where we did college storage, college student storage. I knew where they lived. I knew where they walked. I knew what classes they went to. I mean, there's there'd be footbridges, there'd be pinch points on these college campuses where all of my customers would walk to class every day, and so we looked at Google AdWords. We looked at SEO, we did that stuff as well. But when it came down to it, I got a box of, a box of chalk <laughs> went out on the campus. And there's a bridge separating North Campus from College to, from Central Campus in Ithaca, New York at Cornell. And I went on that bridge every morning before everybody went to class and I wrote college student storage storage squad.com 29.99 a box all summer. And they walked right over the ad. And sometimes I'd be, I'd be writing this in chalk and I would see kids stop and take a picture of it with their phone and send it to their mom to sign up for. And then I would see the email come in of the new customer 10 minutes after I wrote this chalk ad. So the, the picture that I, that I said, this was when I was, I started this business when I was a junior in college, um, the senior year in Ithaca, we painted that campus with chalk and put slid flyers under all the doors, to, you know, just did the marketing that didn't scale. And we disrupted the local storage market. I mean, 2,000 kids use storage and they all used the one competitor. And the next year, 1,000 used that competitor and 1,000 used us. And we did almost $300,000 in revenue in mean, Ithaca. It was crazy. Just us running around, me and my business partner running around, putting chalk ads on the ground and sliding flyers under doors. And we decided to launch in Boston because Boston is the student storage mecca. Like it's It's Northeastern's there, BU's there, Tufts there, Harvard's there, MIT's there, Brandeis. All these colleges were right in Boston. We knew, again, we knew where our customers lived. They were all expensive private schools. They were all from out of, a lot of the students were from out of state, even out of the country. We knew they were ideal customers for us. So I bought a, my partner and I bought a box truck on the south side of Chicago for $2,200. Drove down the south side of Chicago on Craigslist, bought a box truck. I put 50 things of chalk and a lot of t-shirts in that box truck and I drove it to Boston. My wife was working there as, an, as a dietetics internship. She, she had an internship. I, slept on, I I slept in her apartment, parked my truck out in a paid lot where I had to pay, you know, one25 every three hours to park my big box truck, and I spent the entire month of March on these college campuses writing chalk advertisements. I went through 60 boxes of chalk. I probably did 2,000 ads. And I would go to Northeastern, and again, I knew where my customers lived. I knew where they went to class. I knew what time they went to class. So all I had to do was write a chalk ad on the ground that said $29 a box, storage squad.com, you know, uh, student summer storage. I did that same ad all over Boston for an entire month, just me. And my wife helped me a lot too in the evenings and the weekends, and we got. I think three thousand students, three thousand customers, the very first year, over five hundred thousand dollars of revenue.
3: <laughs> that's incredible, dude!
1: I love that story. Daniel sent me
3: that tweet, and I, I clicked on it. I was like, "This is amazing." That's something like even me as a, a seasoned marketer, like that's thinking way outside of the box. But also, like you said, keeping it very simple. Mm-hmm. Something that you, maybe you can't scale that. I think that's a lot of the times where the sweet sauce is.
1: Yeah, I got I got kicked off Harvard's campus three times by security. And, and eventually gave up harvard's the only one that didn't let me put my chalk ads down all the didn't rest of them it. <laughs> all, all the rest of them uh, maybe they didn't like it but they didn't have anybody that went to the trouble of trying to stop it
0: what i what i really like about that story is that uh a lot of people like they think they're doing enough to succeed but they're not doing enough to succeed and i think i think you can say you did enough to succeed on that one because i think even getting up early or getting up at a certain time knowing when they go out like putting it out there because I'm sure the the shelf life of that ad isn't very long if it rains, you know, even if
1: it's windy, like, uh, yeah, the the chalk ad is going to be unreadable in about 48 hours. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta go from campus to campus to campus and I could hit three campuses a day and put 15 chalk ads at, at each, at each campus. And two days later I was back doing it again and I, and I was getting customers so fast. I, the customers were coming in, customers were coming in, customers were coming in and about April 1st or 2nd, we're like three weeks away from doing our first pickups I'm like, Oh my God, I need, I need employees now. I need employees. So I, so I went to Northeastern. It's the cool school that gets out the earliest. And I, in all the same locations, I put need summer work question mark, you know, 12, 12 to $15 an hour storage squad.com slash apply. I wrote that ad all over Northeastern's campus for two weeks until I had 15 Northeastern kids hired to drive trucks and, 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 deliver you know the service that i promised all the other kids and all the other campuses
3: that is so funny (laughs) that is genius pull pull the
1: customers out of the exact same place and then do the hiring right out of there too (laughs) yeah we were we were scrappy if there's we didn't try to early on in our business journey we just didn't try to think too big we didn't try to take over the world we didn't care about scalability we didn't watch shark tank we didn't even really call ourselves entrepreneurs we didn't read entrepreneurship books we were just grinding we just did what we needed to do to get customers and then deliver a service. Made a lot of mistakes along the way too, of course, but survived.
0: That's that's the best part though. It's making the mistakes, doing the work. And I, th- I always talk about this too. Is like you have to do the work. You have to do the work. It is what it is. Like you have to do the work. And a lot of people think they're doing enough. And I think that's the epitome of doing enough. so when the money starts rolling and you're doing enough you know you figured it out i love i love that story i really glad he told that because i'm like it was was such a dope tweet i I like i love like as much as a troll you are stuff like that like okay it makes sense it brings it all together now
1: (laughs) people people can they can like me they can hate me they can despise me they can talk whatever junk they want on any of my tweets but i i'll never be accused of not Really working my working my butt off to to get some things going back in the early days.
0: Uh, I wanted to make a pivot into business brokering. I, I saw this too, and I I love that you're leveraging your personal brand. Can you talk about your uh, NickHuber.com or business brokerage?
1: Yep. So my my dad was a a VP of construction for a developer for 35 years, and he built I think it was 62 or 63. Um, nursing homes, assisted livings, and apartment complexes for a developer in Southern Indiana. Super talented, great salesperson. Just, a, he's just a a charismatic person who who understands the world and can talk to anybody. He called me two or three years ago, and he's like, "Nick, I'm you know my my boss is retiring. When when am I going to come to work for you? Like, when am I when do you need me?" And it's not like it's it, it wasn't about needing him. It's like, dad, I can't afford you. Like you, you make 150 grand a year. I can't afford to pay you to come to work for me. And I don't know what you would do. Like, I just need a little bit more time. I need a little bit more time. So I kept growing the following, kept growing the portfolio of businesses. And last year he he's come, coming on a little strong. He's like, Nick, like this is the trajectory of my company's changing. They're not doing any more construction. Like I need, like, when can I come to work for you? When can I come to work for you? And finally he called me about six months ago and said, Nick, I, I quit my job. So I don't know if you're ready for me or not, but I need a, I need a job. And so I said, okay, well, I've, I've been looking at this business brokerage that I want to start. We need to build a small team, but I just want you to work on special projects and partnerships and, and growing the Nick Huber brand. Because like you said, the reach was just getting incredible on Twitter with the business owners that follow me and, and are fans of me and, and, and are building companies. So my offering of businesses that I was starting was starting to grow. I also kind of realized that most business brokers don't have distribution. And that's the one, that's the one thing you need in a business broker. So it was going to be nickhuber.com, a business brokerage. We're going to buy companies. I'll, I'll buy a couple companies through the years. I'm going to sell four to five companies a year that, that fix that, that meet with um, the parameters of what we're looking for, which is generally businesses, either online or in person or real estate assets. And then my dad, came on as, as the first hire we made a, another hire with a little bit more tactical experience in the business brokerage world but yeah we're, we've, we've been at it about three and a half months and we're about to take out our first two listings to you know to my audience of people who might want to buy them.
0: That's amazing. I, I think I think the people underestimate your not necessarily you personally but they underestimate the personal brand you could build and the ways to monetize it. And I think you if you have the right people following you, that is the whole key because like people can have like millions of followers but they're not being the right people
1: it's it's been a really interesting thing and and I'm, I'm learning that yes the people who follow me are are deal makers they're in the trenches they're building companies that's that's learning number one and when you have that when you have a bunch of companies that are you know needing a lot of things and you got a lot of line items in your business where you need you need web development you need seo you need hiring you need recruiting you need all these different things the part that I didn't understand was, was going to be my ability to attract talent. Meaning, okay, yes, I have all these businesses that I could potentially sell into and all these services that I could start and all these businesses that I could start, but I didn't know that of these 300,000 followers and you know, I got 400 and in the last six months, I've had over 450 million impressions on Twitter. Jeez, when, you have, when you have that kind of reach, you can really attract people to come join your team and work for your company that are super talented, super talented. And if they understand, if these people that come to work for me understand the reach, they understand the distribution, they understand the long time goal, I can find a way to motivate through equity, salary, whatever it might be. I can motivate exceptional people to come on my team and help me build businesses. So that's been my goal right now in the near term is to build a suite of kind of foundational businesses, meaning these are businesses that all of my companies need. So I went out and recruited the best performance marketer, started Ad Rhino. I recruited the best uh, recruiter, started RecruitJet to to recruit talent and hire talent inside my company. I hire Filipinos and, and Latin Americans through Support Shepherd, an international recruiting company. The list goes on of just ways that I can supercharge my own company through my own services, grow that base to make them all profitable companies in their own right, use my platform to attract operators to come in and partner with me to run these companies and long term i want to start buying businesses and investing a lot of my own capital partnering with people in companies and that's where you know my dad and the business brokerage fits in of hey we're gonna we're gonna build our rolodex full of killer operators and businesses that we might have our eye on in the future and kind of build a family office holding company over the years
0: that is dope. Uh, one, one thing I love, I, I, we have a CRM company, like software digital SEO kind of agency. And I'm like, I, I told, I think I told, I don't know if I told, I told some of my family members, I'm like, one of the dopest things about having that business is I don't have to pay for that anymore. It, <laughs> it's coming out, comes out of the operating budget. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Like, uh, and also I started, I started SEO company, Bold SEO, and the first seven clients are already signed up. <laughs> it's like all of my businesses. Need link building services? We're gonna get on link building packages right away. Yeah. So yeah. when I'm putting when I'm putting twenty grand a month on the on the you know monthly recurring revenue from just my own portfolio, it's it's a lot easier to make go ahead and make five hires. Like let's go ahead and build the team, to start this company, and it's it's starting with a competitive advantage in a way, like you said. Hundred percent. You said uh, you said you offer link building services. Yeah. So boldseo.com. Mm-hmm. is a is a content link building agency where we it's basically a domain authority like we're, we're focused on domain authority for seo so we're gonna build a link build a ton of backlinks for all my companies to get us to rank higher on google
3: now that's something that we need right now we're actually looking at ranking in a couple of very specific niches so do you have like any way we can get you like for a consultation like something that's a little bit more focused on our business and i wouldn't want to waste the whole podcast on that i don't think but uh is that something that you offer
1: or somebody we could sign up with like your number two yeah i mean that's my dad <laughs> that's oh, that's his shit. job he's oh man I'm he's, my, he's, he's, he's my special projects guy like he he knows all of the companies inside of my holdings he knows um what my interests are as far as potential partnerships relationships so any anytime there's like an exciting opportunity because my my twitter dms just get overloaded at this point i'm getting 20 30 dms a day i'm i'm just getting kind of overloaded with people so i'll chat with them and, and if it's something that i think is worth time and energy i'll my dad will meet with them and he'll get a feel for what they're about and 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 how you know how a potential relationship might work from there but no i think uh, on dot you can see the list of all my companies and if any of those services stand out yeah email me you and i can we can talk directly for sure
3: Dude, what a blessing to work with your dad like that, man. I would love for my dad to come work with me. He, he talks about it, but he, he's retired. But I mean, I, I think sooner or later, I can push him over the fence if I find a good spot for him. So congrats on that, man. And I think that's probably the biggest blessing that I've heard you say so far. That's so cool, dude. Can't wait to meet it's, your dad.
1: Thank it's, you. It's really rewarding. It's really rewarding. It's fun. And,
3: yeah. it, and also,
1: he didn't, he, he didn't really understand what I was trying to do and what I was trying to build until he got, until he got thrown in. Like he, he knew I had a lot of Twitter followers. He knew I had two podcasts. He knew I had an email list, but he didn't listen to the podcast. He didn't follow me on Twitter and he didn't read my emails. So he didn't, <laughs> he didn't really, he didn't really know and understand what I was building. Now that he's in here, I mean, he'll, he'll send me emails every single day. He'd be like, Nick, I, I met with, I actually could read an email that he sent me today. It was, it was, it was awesome. Oh, that's
3: exciting <laughs> as heck. Nick,
1: the most interesting dual citizen reached out to me from your Twitter universe. He said the guy's name. He lives in Panama and he has a home in Miami also. I just spent an hour on a video call with him. We need to work with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, he, and then he, lists, he lists all the things that he's up to. And he said questions for me like, how would we want to help him raise money or how we want to get involved in this company, whatever it might be. So it's just, he, he, my dad is now like fully in, bought in on what I'm doing and, and what we're building together. And now that he understands that he's, he's having a ton of fun.
0: That's amazing
3: dude i love that dude like the most i can squeeze out of my dad is he's wearing the hive mind hat and his shirt that's, <laughs> everywhere he goes we you know, he's wearing his hive mind he's representing but yeah i would love to get him in on the business side dude that's so you cool.
1: gotta find a way to do it it's it's awesome
3: I think we'll find a spot for him because we are doing some hiring ourselves. We're expanding into a couple little different niches. And they all, they, it's it, man. I feel like there's so much overlap based on what you're doing and, and what we do and how we run our, our companies and our businesses. It just sounds like you're several years in front of us. <laughs> but, uh, man, and lots to talk about, man. Super cool. Oh, I, I,
1: I spend all of my time now bringing, oh, I spend half my time on my personal brand. Like I'm writing, I'm doing a ton of content. Mm-hmm. And I spend the rest of my time, like, just gathering amazing people. That's it. Yeah. My all any a company a company is nothing more than a group of people. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. That's all it is. And I my job is to be the leader, the people who get people bought in, the people who make people excited, and I'm going to give them the tools to get in and do what they do best. I'm going to find people who are better at stuff than me. I'm going to make sure they know how to operate and delegate and run a company because it's not easy. That's the hardest part of everything that we do. Yeah. But yeah, I'm in I'm in talent I you know, talent accumulation mode right now. I love the mindset, dude. I think that's
3: what we are, too. I told Daniel, like, look at the people we're surrounded by, man. Look at the people we're surrounded by. These are like the, we're, we feel like it's the A team. Like, if you go out and you try to find like people that are more compassionate, charismatic, fun to be around, positive, it's like, dude, if we only, if this was the rest of our team for the whole rest of our life, amazing. Like, we already made it.
1: But like you, get, said, you get these people, you get these people together, and, and I call them 10Xers. These are the people that are, are really, really good at what they do. They're super competent and they're also just good people and fun to be around. Like you said, that's a really important part of it. Yes. But when you put these people together, they the thing about 10xers is like they they amplify each other. Mm-hmm. I, I have a theory. I have a theory that like a 10x employee, the worst thing that you can do for a 10x employee is put them around a bunch of C players. Yep. They're, they're gonna quit and they're gonna go somewhere else. Everybody knows what it's like to be at a company. Nobody's doing their job right you're more stressed out because nobody's helping you. You end up doing a lot of things that are not worth your time and you just cannot leverage your skill set and your ability to really grow the company. Yeah. On the other end of it, if you're working with a lot of people who kick ass all the time and all, and they just love kicking ass, <laughs> that's, that is fun because every 10Xer I know, the most thing that we could get out of a job is to, is to just produce. Like I want to feel productive. I want to wake up. I want to make moves. I want to get things done. I want to build. And yep. when you get a lot of people who share that same desire in the same company, in the same organization, they amplify each other and it's contagious. And it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing as it, as it goes.
0: So there's, there's like a, there's, there's something that goes by. This is like, it's like one, when you add two employees together, it doesn't equal two. If you have like 10 Xers, like one plus one equals 10. And it doesn't even make sense. But when you put them in the room together, they amplify each other hundred percent and they, they want to do good things and they want to they want to see the business grow because when they when they align with the business mission, it's literally limitless potential.
1: Agree. It's 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 what's so rewarding about being an entrepreneur. And I I I've been looking at just where I'm at in my career and how my life has changed in so much in the last five years and what I'm on track to do. And like I wanna become a billionaire, not because of the billion dollars, but because that would mean I have built and grown even more of these 10xers i've yeah. got them together i've made a lot of people rich and like that just the impact that you can have on a world on the world when you when you just keep going and growing and, and doing more and more is is uh is pretty awesome
0: it's not about the money of a billion it's the impact of a billion yeah and a lot of people look at that differently
1: yeah i agree yeah. what is yeah.
3: Go ahead, anthony i was gonna say yeah we have, we have some really big targets and goals of our own and it's like it's 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 our responsibility if we want to see those dreams realized and those goals realized to be able to to help and to build things at the scale that we want to build them at. It's just going to t- it's going to take a lot of capital and has nothing to do with, with greed or, or just piling up cash for for the sake of piling it up. Okay, we we have a lot of areas of the globe that we want to touch before we check out, and it probably won't get done in our lifetime, but we got to race there as quick as we can before we got to go.
1: Yep, yep, and you got to raise kids too that are going to be good stewards of whatever you build, and I think I'm equally as excited about raising kids that can be great stewards of capital i think it's i hear a lot of people say i'm not going to give my kids anything i'm going to make them work for everything that they have and i think that's the silliest thing yeah. uh, ever said i i started on you know my great grandfather came over from germany he started at home plate at bat so that my grandparents could start on first and my parents could start on second yep. and i could start on third
0: mm-hmm.
1: why would i send my kids back to first Uh, There's no, there's no, nothing to gain. I want to start my kids one step away from home plate and, and put them in a, in a position where they can do high leverage things. They can feel rewarded. They can have a positive influence on uh, more and more people. And I just, I'm super passionate about raising good kids that know how to struggle and suffer and are not entitled and, and are humble. And it's not easy when you have a lot of great things going on, you know, business wise.
3: Uh, you, you, i was just getting chills on top of my head right now when you were talking man like yeah the things i'm teaching my kids now it's stuff like about you know charities and funds and, and and doing more high level stuff like you said why would i put them back on first base and have them doing hourly stuff and the daily grind like i i burned my whole life do that i watch my parents do that so you know i think we're we're handing them different tools and, and hopefully they have the same intensity and passion to work the way that we do but yeah it's like no i where, where i'm trying to get them to start is yeah way 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 ahead of the of the game where they're looking at you know when if they're looking to piece together a charity where they just start a fund and, and raise 50 million or 100 million to put it into practice in day one instead of working 40 years to put all that that money together to to realize your dream so this is a different mindset man
1: i think uh true true success is a generational game mm-hmm. wealth, wealth wealth can be accumulated in five or 10 years. Riches, riches can be accumulated in five. Wealth can be accumulated in maybe 10 if, you, if you're an entrepreneur and you really know how to delegate and, and leverage your, your skill set. But like a true culture inside of your family, is, is just, it's important to me. And I think not enough entrepreneurs focus on that. And a lot of the entrepreneurs that we idolize that are famous, they've changed the world. Uh, a lot of them weren't great parents. And I think that's just really sad.
3: Yeah, that's a part I don't want to miss, man. And I also, just because of the level of intensity that I am, comfortable working in i just i could see easily how a person could miss it you know because you're so like just delved in what you do and it's all you think about and it's like it's in your blood like a chemical very very easy to miss out on on those best moments with the kids and, and having those those teachable moments or just those memories you know they're gonna hey my this, dad said this my dad said this
1: this is really hard because playing business at a high level playing this game at a high level is the most addicting thing on earth it's like it's like gambling. It's like gambling when you have the deck stacked in your favor. Yeah. Pe- pe- people get addicted to gambling at a casino when the odds are they're going to lose money. Imagine how addicting gambling would be when you're making business decisions and you're playing the game of business with a competitive advantage. You know what you're doing. The odds are in your favor. You're making decisions now that are unknown with incomplete information, and you get to see the result of those decisions a week from now or a year from now or a decade from now there is nothing more fun than the nuance and fluidity of business period mm-hmm. it is it is super super addicting so i can see it i can absolutely see why folks get so obsessed with business and entrepreneurship that they sleep that they're a they're a 50 you know 50 plus year old entrepreneur and they've, they're worth billions of dollars but yet they spend a month sleeping at twitter headquarters instead of hanging out with other people i can see why like i understand it i can relate Yeah, Yeah. because because this is addicting and the bigger you get, the bigger your ego gets, the more people, the more people idolize you and the more employees you get, the the more power you get when you get wealthier. And then you realize that, holy shit, like sometimes the risk here is that you become your own. You can you can become your own God. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's you got to have the humility and you got to have the perspective to avoid that when you're playing this game at a high level.
3: Wow, man, that's powerful, dude. We're gonna make a a real out of that. (laughs) And I I do feel that. And I think I realized it early on when my kids were small, is I felt like, okay, if I'm if I'm thinking about it in terms of minutes invested versus like wealth created, it's like I'm I'm burning minutes of their childhood, you know, to build to build this thing out. And it's like, I just got to make sure like to allocate every minute appropriately, I guess, so you don't overdo it, because like, same thing with like alcohol, you have a little sip and then too many sips. And next thing you know, you're (laughs) annihilated. So the same thing with the kids, man. I was like, I just want to be very, very careful with their time. And later on, they take off the college or whatever they're going to do. And uh, they, dad, they're too cool for dad, you know, then I'll still be going super, super hard then. I'm just trying to be super careful with what I do with their time right now.
1: Balance is, balance is really, really hard. And yes, I spend a lot of time on this com- in this office. You're looking at it right here, looking at this computer, chasing invisible dollar figures in a, in a bank account somewhere. But there's so many other areas of life. And a friend of mine, Rock Thomas, calls them gardens. Like there's a, there's a garden for your physical health. There's a garden for a relationship with your wife. There's a garden for you being a father. There's a garden for your spirituality. There's a garden for your hobbies. There's a garden for your friends. And all of those gardens in your life need water to live a balanced, healthy life. Every single one of them. You got to water your business. You got to water your relationship with your wife. You got to have a good relationship with God. You got to have a good relationship with your friends. You got to have hobbies. You got to be physically fit and healthy And if you lose balance, just like you mentioned with alcohol, if you lose control and go too deep in one and the others start to fall apart, it's a really, really rough place to be and it makes life not fun at all even if you dominate some areas. You can dominate business. You can get wealthiest beyond your wildest dreams, but if you don't nurture friendships, you're going to be lonely. If if you're wealthy beyond your wildest dreams, but you're not physically healthy and you've let your body deteriorate, you're going to be you're gonna be on your on your deathbed at 70 years old instead of 90. And those are like having the balance is really, really, really hard when you get the high and the rush from entrepreneurship and you play the game at a high level. So keeping that perspective is not easy because look, kids kids are not like 75% of the time with kids their work. Like 25% sheer joy. But if you're talking about a three-year-old kid, like 75% of the time you're you're cleaning up you're cleaning up the fact that he just shit himself all over the place when you're at the country club pool or you're trying to get home, it's ninety-five degrees and the car is hot as hell, you haven't eaten in, in seven hours and your you know, your blood sugar's dropping, you feel like crap, and your kid's screaming at you in the backseat. Like that's not all fun. It's kind of it's it's a, lot of, of, it a lot of sacrifice. It's a lot of sacrifice.
3: <laughs> but it's so worth it yeah dude definitely definitely worth it man dude i, I like that you mentioned the god team i think people are afraid to talk about that to even mention it and, and entrepreneurship and it's not like we're not holy rollers but we try like heck to stay grounded in our faith and in our beliefs and that's something that's important to me and and similarly right you can go in the complete opposite direction um you know and then yeah business, and how, can,
1: how can uh how can somebody look at how amazing this world is and the opportunity for memories and fun and building and just the opportunity that we have all around us and how things work. How can you look at how freaking unbelievable all this is and not think that somebody put this together?
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is not a a chemical soup that was just like mass just accumulated. A lot of times I joke, but I'm dead serious. Like I'm a big steak guy and, you know, we're having just this amazing, incredible meal. And like, sometimes I just feel like tearing up. Like there's like people on this planet that are never going to have this meal. You know, like, so some, some, some creator put this together and then they blessed me with it for whatever reason, man. And I,
1: I, I want to share, I want to share a, a Wagyu tomahawk with you someday, Anthony. Oh, dude,
3: I'll fly out there any day
1: of the week. You let me know. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: I just posted some on Facebook like two days ago. They weren't Wagyu, but their tomahawks were like this. A couple of ah.
1: <laughs> Nothing better than a good steak, man. Nothing better than a good steak. Yeah. I'm a
0: connoisseur where can people find you online i mean i think we covered a lot of good topics and i hope everybody here is still here and tuned in to this point but where can people find you online uh
1: yes yeah Yeah, follow me on twitter at sweaty startup but i spend a a lot of time on a, a email newsletter each week that i it's basically a personal diary of my own experiences managing people how to be a better manager i'm preaching to myself in this email newsletter how to manage people how to recruit talent how to build teams how to market how to run my real estate company so if you're in, into making money um, go to go to sweatystar and sign up for my email newsletter send it out once a week and guarantee it'll add some value
3: I want to I want to sign up right now dude I, I mean I've been following your stuff online and all that stuff like I said on Twitter mostly but then I think you and I have a lot of overlap uh, and I just I love your philosophy your mindset dude so I'm so so glad we had this conversation and you took the time
1: out to hang out with us super appreciate it cool. I appreciate you all this has been awesome and I hope it uh, I uh, hope to do it again sometime soon.
0: For everybody here, go like, share, follow, subscribe. Thanks for giving us your time. We'll see you next time. Thank next. Thank Anthony coming on. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.
3: Thank you. Hey guys, so the Hive Mine is launching a new program where we are, we're helping you work deals that are valued at $1 million and up. If your deal is worth 980,000, we don't want to take a look at it. You can submit those deals to us at submitbigland.com and we'll help you comp the deals. If it's good, we'll help you close it and we'll also help you fund it and sell it. Check us out, submitbigland.com, milliondollarmastermind.com and wholesaling million dollar land deals on Facebook. Thanks guys.
1: So you
3: get the, the soil health up, the nutrient density, and your food goes up, your food
2: now becomes your medicine. So let's take the, the pharmaceutical, uh, chemical money,